The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Jenks! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Wednesday night, notebook wagering. We are here, live from the Salisbury Center, fueled by Monster Energy. I am Smitty. I am in studio. Where's my guy? Oh, my guy's David Hasselhoff. He's down at Myrtle Beach right now. What's up, Q? What's up, boys? Sorry for the last-minute delay. The wife said, let's pack the car and go south to sunshine and the beach, and I can't say no, but I'm here tonight. I still keep my commitments. Let's go. Well, I'll tell you what. If you come back with a better tan and you look better next week on air than me, I'm not going to be happy one bit. All right. (laughs) Jason, what's going on up in Pittsburgh tonight? I uh, I just got offline. I bought my uh, playoff tickets for the Pirates. Uh, <laughs> I'm all in now. It only took the sweep in Colorado, who maybe the worst team in baseball, but they killed them. So I I don't know what's going on. No Penguins playoffs, but we get the Pirates in second place in the Central. It's, it's all upside down. All right, and we got our guy back this week, man, Matty Ice. Man, he is back. We're so happy he is with us. How are you doing, Matty? Good, buddy. I'm glad Jason beat me to the punch on the pins. I was going to say, this town is deprived of playoffs. All three franchises, nothing going on except for the, the Buccos, but uh, it's a little early. I, I know you guys love it. That's all I hear about. We're talking Omar Marino today and cocaine and whatnot. So let's go. Let's, let's, let's I missed that. What was that, man? Omar Marino and cocaine. Where was I at on that conversation? My goodness. Okay. We're moving on, I guess, from Omar Marino and cocaine here. But, hey, let's we'll dive in here. We got a great guest tonight around 8 o'clock here. We're going to get into the NFL draft a little bit here tonight. But we're going to try to hammer some of the sports out really fast for you here. Let's start with Major League baseball here you know again myself and jason big pirate fans so we are excited they're off to a very good start played extremely well in colorado but uh guys again i'm just going to kind of bounce it around here what do you what's your early thoughts on teams um you know any trends any bet systems what do you have here or just overall if any rants you want to throw out there let's go uh jason i'll start off with you well, I think uh, so. I listen to a lot of uh, sports talk in the car, you know, in podcasts and such. And a lot of it's based out of LA and New York, as we know, as the biggest broadcast areas. Let's give the Rays some respect. These numbers are ridiculous. Like, you look at their record right now, they're 15 and 3, but they're killing the baseball. They never hit. You know, it's always been pitching and defense with them. And they've got the starting pitching like they always do. Uh, bullpen's a little shaky, but the offense has really come on. I mean, you know, they have earned their 15-3 record. I actually heard people bringing up their strength of schedule wasn't good. What the hell do we care about strength of schedule in baseball? Everybody plays everybody now. So that'd be my first rant. And then uh, it's all good still with the rules. I like it. Nothing's really popped up or it's been weird. I still don't like the extra inning rule, but, you know, I can live with it with all the other changes. And uh, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Let's give the Rays the respect. I mean, they're in the AL East and they're – killing everybody yeah real quick let me just jump in on that you know i like writing down stats sunday night coming into the week here a little bit again tampa 277 home runs i think they were 37 coming into monday you know the pitching's there one of the best era so yeah like you said they're hitting the ball they're pitching they're a very good team and again you know people want to say who they played who cares like you said everybody plays everybody so that's the way it is uh maddie what do you got in baseball man that's like we actually practiced this Perfect segue. So, yeah, sure, Tampa's 16-3 and three and running away with the division. But lo and behold, they are not running away with anything. That AL East is loaded. Uh, Toronto's four and a half behind. The worst team, the Red Sox, nine and nine, six and a half back. You expect a team that goes 16-3 and three out of the gate would probably have like a five or six game advantage already out of the gate, and they don't. So I don't think they're going to run away and hide by any means. I think that division will kind of – creep back up to them like the Peloton at the uh, Tour de France. But, man, I love it. One trend that I started to look at is uh, teams that kill the lefty-righty pitching, hitting, and two of them are Toronto and Houston are really good in that aspect. So just stuff to keep an eye on. We finally got some trends. Although it looks like those unders are starting to creep back in after those overs were really hot out of the gate. 
Yeah, real quick with that too, just every team in that division right now is 500, like Maddie said. So that is a very good uh, division there. Q, what do you got there, Major League Baseball? Yeah, uh, like uh, like Jason said, you got to respect the Rays. I mean, they have a plus 83 run differential. That's unheard of through uh, roughly 20 games. Uh, it's kind of weird because they, they usually play a lot of like two to one or like four two games, but now we're seeing them score. So uh, it's enjoyable. If you're a Tampa uh, resident, you should be jumping on this train. You should be supporting your team. You should be trying to get them a new stadium by showing out. It's just, You've got to take the raise momentum and just take it to the uh, to the top. But um, listen, my Cubs—they're looking good. They're ten and six. That over seventy-six and a half looks good. Dansby looks good. Um, you look at another team that's uh, kind of, I guess, above expectations. I think the Orioles are a real deal. Uh, last year we saw them have a good year. I think they've got kind of the next like Yachty Molina or Buster Posey type dude and Adley Rushman. I think we're seeing he's legit. Um, and he's going to be for a long time. So that is a incredible uh, player for the Orioles that we get to see kind of blossom into this, what I think is going to be a superstar in the next year or two. Uh, but, it, you know, my Nationals, they're, they're holding on to the, uh, the not worst record that is belonging to the A's. I'm supportive of that. I have the A's in the, uh, the worst record. So let's keep that going this year. You know, let's talk about the A's really fast. I mean, you talk about... They're not very good in baseball, but they do have a possum living in one of their booths in the stadium. Have you get? Did you guys see any of that? The Mets went out there. So if our audience didn't see, the Mets went out there. It's Ron Darling and another guy, and they got told they were walking into where they were going to do the broadcast. They got stopped and said, no, you can't go in there. And then they could smell something a little bit, and they were like, yeah, we don't want to go in there a little bit. So they, they took them out, put them in another room, and – there's a possum living there. So good job. By hey, Rob. Go ahead. Real quick with the, uh, the, the A's. Did I hear, and maybe it already happened or it's happening. They're doing a reverse boycott. They want to sell. I think it's in June. Out. I think it's in June. Yeah, if okay. I'm right. Yeah. That's, that's just something odd and, and interesting to, to kind of almost say like, Hey, we deserve the team to stay and they deserve a stadium. You just, you typically don't hear that. It's usually the paper bags that we don't show up, but to actually say like, Hey, come support the team um, by showing up. It, it's, it's pretty interesting. And that's something for me, that's the first that I've ever seen in major league baseball. Go ahead, Jason. Honestly, as a, as a team being held or a fan being held hostage by a team in a market like that, <laughs> The Pirates could have done the exact same thing. I mean, I think it's important to show, like, hey, we will support a team when you give us a team, uh, especially in Oakland. It's What a mess. I mean, a stadium, usually you hear about stadiums, you're like, is it really that bad? I mean, you hear just the horror stories with the Oakland Coliseum. Everyone has tons, and it, we're not even in that market. Um, they had the stadium all set to go, and Howard Terminal it looked fantastic, and then that just got killed by California politics. I mean, give the A's a chance. I mean, they're going to be off to of Vegas. There's nothing they can do, and – Oakland will have nothing but themselves to blame. What do you think, Maddie? Jason, come on, man. The Pirates sell every Friday night for Zambelli fireworks. <laughs> every other week for the pierogi bobblehead giveaway. <laughs> they don't care about baseball. Uh, the, the diehards do. These fans are yo-yos, man. They, they just want, they want, they want a gimmick. So I'm done with that. I'm done with the A's, too. I love the A's, the 80s. I got my throwback Mulder jersey on. I miss the Bash Brothers. I miss everything the old days were. Well, I'll t- a couple real quick. I got to hit on a couple things really fast. First, the money money ball was fantastic, but they didn't make the stadium look very good in that movie either. It looked really dumpy, no. so they did a great job on that. <laughs> Second, their new mascot should be a possum. They should do like a possum seventh inning something or like a rally with the you know how they did the what was that in uh, I think it was uh, with the Angels they did the rally monkey years ago or maybe yeah. they still do it or something do something with the possum, and then Matt with the with the fireworks makes me laugh because I'm not a firework guy. You see one time in your life. You've seen them all, but man, they fill that place up with those fireworks. Those people in Pennsylvania love their fireworks. That's all I have to say with that. All right, moving on here. We want to cover a couple sports here. Hey, let's dive into college baseball again. Q's doing an unbelievable job uh, with Matt Grissom, College Baseball Insiders. And if you have not listened to that, man, check that show out. Um, rough night last night. 
Let's not lie yeah. about it, man. Crazy midweek, okay? We really pushed this last week about gambling college baseball. We really like it. You know, Maddie and Jason will dive in here soon when we get close to the regionals and everything. But Q, last night, Tennessee lost. LSU, I think, went down. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. Who else? Vandy lost last night. You know the biggest one, Q, that I'm going to let you take over? I think Radford had a really long losing streak, and I think they beat Virginia Tech last night. They did. Uh, another big team or top 10 team with Stanford lost to Sacramento State in a wild game. I didn't stay up for it, but I saw the, the recap. You know, this is a weird time, right, because you have winning teams competing for RPI position. When you take on these teams, you have to beat them or not play them. If you lose to them, it's just gut-wrenching. And sometimes even playing them is not worth it. Uh, that's why, like, last year, Ole Miss, they had a, a rainstorm coming in, and they just kept the turf off the, the tarp off the field on purpose to cancel the game. It, it's a loophole. It's shitty, but it is a loophole, and teams will do that. Now, you had a situation last night where Vandy's on the rise, LSU, especially Tennessee. Tennessee needs um, to really turn it on the SEC, but that was a game they could not afford to lose last night to Tennessee Tech. Tennessee Tech showed out. They performed and Tennessee kind of slept walking and it beat them. That's a loss that could be killer for Tennessee, even making the regionals. You know, you look at LSU, that's a team outside of Paul Skeens. Like, they have a lot of question marks. So, to lose that game last night is another question mark. You know, just how how un, ungood are they or how overrated are they? So, you're getting into these moments where you really are starting to see what teams are kind of pretenders and what teams are contenders. Uh, bottom line is if you want to win a national title in, in college baseball, you've got to have the RPI. You've got to have the wins. You just can't lose midweek games. I mean, they don't mean the, the problem is, is they don't mean anything if you win them, but they hurt so bad if you lose them. Yeah. One team, you know, I had last night, luckily they came back. I think they have a 10 or 11 game winning streak right now is Dallas Baptist. And what, you know, myself and Q have been talking a lot about college baseball here diving into it because we we do like to bet it uh but that they got down they did come back last night but i mean yeah it's it's extremely hard during the midweek you have to be very careful you know i kind of took it down a little bit tonight just didn't play as much on it uh just because you know i think i went two and four last night because there were so many upsets and that was like last friday last friday was just brutal oh. i mean the front the the weekend schedule you kind of feel like you got the great pitching matchups and everything like that friday night was crazy luckily i bounced back saturday and sunday well to kind of salvage the the weekend there but yeah it's it's crazy so uh but yeah it's exciting and i know the boys uh, jason matt you want to jump in on anything with college base i did real uh, fast before i forget i did put a um future bet on oregon state to win the national championship. Just I'm gonna die. I'm gonna put maybe two or three more um on some teams, but I did take Oregon State. Go ahead, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this a little differently because I'm not in tune to this as you guys are. So Q, for our listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, the the baseball playoffs is what we call them the brackets actually. Yeah. Is it sixty four teams go, correct? Yes. So every every conference winner gets an automatic bid. Correct. Then how do they decipher who else goes? Um, it, it's a lot of RPI-based and strength of schedule-based. It, it's pretty much like the college basketball tournament, I would say, to mirror it as close. The problem is is you don't really have the 1 through 16 seed. There's 16 regionals, and then they 1 through 4 seed within those regionals. Now, there is a total rank structure because you have to, as the teams dwindle down, figure out who's a higher-ranked one. Um, so you do have that, but a lot of it is uh, location-based. You know, typically the West Coast team, it, they kind of keep it for traveling purposes. They try to keep you in your geographical location, uh, but it's RPI. Um, like I said, you know, the, the bigger teams don't want to play these lower schools because it hurts them, especially when you're competing to host a regional and a super regional, which means you would be a top 16 seed. Um, you, you really want a, a kind of a top 20 RPI, and, and typically what that means is, Long story short, it, it's it's your schedule's record overall, um, and it, it's there's a lot of strength of schedule as well as in there. So there's a lot of numbers similar to the college basketball tournament that it goes into it, uh, but a lot of it too is your conference record. If you there's typical marks like 13 wins in the SEC typically gets you in. You might need 
15 in the ACC. Uh, you might need 18 in the Big West because typically it's a weaker conference, so you have to almost dominate a little more. Um, so there's just so many different things to play in. But while we're talking about the tournament, I, I want to – and I don't have the number for you. As of last week, I think it was like 500 to 1. Take a team and pizza money. When I say pizza money, it might even only be a piece of slice of uh, pizza at the boardwalk money. Cal State Fullerton to win the College World Series. They've done it before, uh, probably about 20 years ago. But they have, in, in, in a lot of our opinion, the, the easiest path to the College World Series. And then once you get there, it's a lot of luck, it's a lot of fate, and a lot of rhythm. They would have to essentially run through the Pac-12 and that is an extremely weak conference. I mean, Sacramento State's beaten up on Stanford. UCLA has already lost to Cal State Fullerton this year. Uh, Cal State Fullerton also beat Texas, who typically is a powerhouse Big 12 team. They will be a probably two-seed out west. They're, they're, I believe right now they're winning the Big West. So that should give them a two-seed. They have the easiest pass, so it's worth five or ten bucks if, if, if you're uh, honestly trying to bet something on college sports series. I mean, come on now. I just said Oregon State. I just gave out. Now you're saying the Pac-12. Now, come on, Q. You're crushing me, my friend. Man, oh, man. I brag about Oregon State. I know you do. I I like Oregon State, too. I know. I understand what you're saying. I agree with you with the Pac-12, too, because, like, I didn't stay up. I didn't even see that score Stanford last night, so I kind of agree with you on that. All right, here, really quick. We're going to try to hit two more quick sports before our fantastic guests come on. Let's talk NHL hockey. This gets Jason going in the morning. Loves it. Maddie also. These guys are the hockey guys on the team here. So we got tonight, we got four games. You got uh, Carolina. I think they're already started. They're playing uh, the Islanders yeah. here. Her, uh, Hurricanes are up one nothing here. Um, Jason, I'm just going to try to zip through the games. Maybe you and Maddie can just kind of give uh, some info really fast. Overall in that series, what do you guys like? Jason, go ahead. Which what series is that? Uh, the, uh, the Hurricanes, Carolina. Uh, I expect about 15 goals to be scored in all the games. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been pretty boring hockey. The teams are really similar. That's part of the problem. And uh, it doesn't look like the Islanders really are being playing well enough on special teams to actually win this series. So I think Carolina, with their overall depth, is probably going to get out of this unscathed. They're leading tonight. They up 2-0. Their biggest bugaboo is they didn't win on the road last year. They were 1-7 uh, on the road in playoffs, all those games. You got to win a couple on the road. Otherwise, you get the series extended. You get too beat up, and you don't get a chance to go on. But I do think that it's, just a, it's a bad matchup. The Islanders are a great counterpunch team. They're playing against a, a team that looks just like them, and that doesn't really favor them. So I think Carolina will probably win this in five. Matty, what do you think? Yeah. Um, they're actually shooting the puck tonight. We got 20 shots on goal in the first period. Carolina, hey. Carolina's up 1-0 early. Uh, we're at the first intermission, or as Sean King would say, the hockey halftime. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm going to go quick to another game. So the game I actually fell asleep the other night. Edmonton was up three-one, I believe, against oh. the Kings late. And I wake up, and of course I had a little parlay money on Edmonton and somebody else. And I wake up, and I'm like, "Wait a second, what? What? What, what am I missing here? They lost the game." Uh, basically, I went back and read a little summary and whatnot. I think the Kings actually hit the lotto, they said, and basically got the perfect remedy down the stretch somehow. Got a late penalty, scored with 30 seconds left, the center of the OT, and then Kopitar had a good goal in OT. So, hey, bless the Kings, but you know what? You want to make some money tonight, put it on Edmonton. They're going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, they played well enough in that game to win it. They looked they expected they, goals. They took the everything. Yeah, that's their own damn fault. So uh, the biggest story too is six of the eight road teams won. So you get you have underdogs winning in the first round. Uh, the West is wide open. I think all four underdogs won in the West in the first game. So these series are going to go a while. There's probably some money to be made. There's going to probably be a surprise team out of the West if the Oilers don't win it. I think it's just because the Kings, the Golden Knights look a little vulnerable. You've already seen all these home teams lose. Like somebody's not going to get through. Uh, the East Bruins took care of business. They all had the flu, missing guys didn't matter. They're probably going to get through to the finals. It'll be interesting to see who meets them there because Devils look like terrible. The Rangers looked phenomenal against them last night. And then you had the Maple Leafs who got down, got it back to 3-2. The building's going nuts. It looks like, oh, they're going to come and rally. All of a sudden, Tampa got a goal like instantaneously. It was 4-2 again. And they just blew them out of the building. And the game went crazy. Now, 
I'll give you that. That series will be crazy because they played last year and it was like that, where there was crazy penalties. Both home fields really got into it. Lots, a lot of emotion, a lot of just stupid hockey, which actually makes for good hockey. So that's how I see that one playing out. I think that'll go the full seven now that I see it. I don't, I don't think Toronto's first effort was uh, their best, and I don't think it's, it's indicative of how they'll play the whole series. Okay, so you're saying that you guys really like Carolina. It sounds like Boston's going to get through here. I did a little yes, Carolina-Boston money line parlay tonight. I hit that the first night, so I went back to it. And then uh, the one game. So do you got? So you, did you guys say you think Edmonton's going to get through in that first set, the first game? I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, they lost the first game, but I think they yeah, they're down oh one. They yep, down oh one. Okay. I think they get through the series. They're faster. Their their goalie is good enough to get through. They have the two best goal scorers basically in hockey right now, I think. And I, I mean, their talent is just too good to lose to the Kings first round, but we'll see. All right, and then yeah, uh, Minnesota, Dallas tonight. I mean, these are later games, so if anybody wants to take some advice and try to win some money tonight, listen to our two guys here and try to win some money here in these later hockey games. Who do we got in that, guys? Uh, I think I have money line minus 160 for uh, the Dallas Stars tonight. Where are we looking? I didn't play it. Uh, I had Dallas game one, and they poo-pooed that away. Jason and I have talked a lot all year about Minnesota and how we were down on them. Lo and behold, they steal game one. So I don't know what to make of it right now. Dallas definitely has the better goaltender than me. They have uh, Robertson who can really score. I don't know how Minnesota did it, but game one was a win. I'd probably lean Dallas tonight, though. That's basically the Western Conference version of the uh, Islanders in Carolina. You have two teams that play exactly the same, and all the games are going to be one-goal games. Uh, if you're feeling frisky, take it to go to overtime. I don't think that's going to be a risky bet in any of the games here. You're getting like three-to-one odds. Uh, I took that tonight in Carolina Islanders. I think that's a play. I definitely think that's a play in the Stars game. Uh, I think I'll, I'll take in the, even the series tonight because uh, I think that one's going to go the distance too just because I think Minnesota will play well at home. And one of the things with the Stars is they play really good defense, so they can't run away from anyone. So they're always in the game, and that's, that's going to be a problem. Like this one, one advantage I think the Oilers have in this is that they're an offense that can actually get some separation. I think Avalanche will bounce back from the loss against the Kraken. I think the Kraken just came out and played a perfect game, first game. Um, and Colorado's not quite as uh, impressive as they've been in prior seasons. They lost a little bit in the offseason with free agency. They've been dinged up all year. They kind of found their form late, so – I definitely think that that series will go a bit, but the Kraken just aren't as good as the Avalanche. Um, and then I think with yeah, Vegas and Winnipeg, I took Winnipeg to win that series. It came out the first game. It looks right. I mean, I don't know what happened to the Golden Knights there at home. You, you think they would play well. They got blown out of the building. So we'll see how they bounce back. I think with Winnipeg, you never know if they're going to stop scoring goals. It's a big physical team. They're built for the playoffs. They've got a really good goalie. So I can definitely see them win that first series. So I would keep rolling the money line here um, until they kind of lose. All right, before we take a quick break here, anything in the NBA tonight? Anything? Did anybody have any tickets in pocket here? Well, John Morant's out for the, the Grizz, so that's probably going to be... A that's a that's a low money. line. Before, I mean, I heard he was out, and that line didn't mm-hmm. seem like I was moving, which was really surprising to me. And I heard somebody, a couple other guys could be some out. Word. Somebody got some word because I, I looked at on the river like at six o'clock and it was there was no line. It was off. Okay. So somebody knew. I'm sure that jumped way up. I'm sure that they, they took a lot of Lakers money and they're probably gonna get pounded tonight. I think the Bucks superstar too is out. Wow. I didn't hear that. I think, good, but yeah, he left the first game and uh Tyler Hero also offered a heat, so there's kind of a little war of attrition there with those two. Uh heat took game one. I gotta think the Bucks take game two. Uh, I don't know if I'd lay the six and a half. But I know that there's a trend I saw yesterday that when a favorite loses the first game in the NBA series, they're like 61% to cover in the second game of the series. So that trend definitely applies to that one. All right, Memphis right now up 22-16 in that game. So, But it is the NBA. Like my wife and a lot of people say, you don't need to turn it on until the fourth quarter. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. All right, man, we're going to take a quick break. We have a fantastic guest coming up. We're going to talk NFL draft. We'll be right back. to putting money in your pocket with a notebook wagering show on WSN. Hey, we are back live from the Salisbury Center fueled by Monster Energy. You know, it is draft time and we have our favorite draft guy joining us here. This guy's managing partner at Draft Countdown, writer for DL Football. And I'll tell you, he does a ton of other things. Shane P. Hellman, how are you doing? Great to see you again, my friend. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me back. It's 
it's draft season. I'm in my element, so I'm, I'm feeling great. Well, I can't wait for it to get here next week. Shane, my first question here is, you know, this whole draft, it's quarterback, quarterback, quarterback from a lot of people here. In your opinion, where is this quarterback class? Are you very high on on it, or are you just kind of like, oh, it's kind of mediocre? I, I think it's a quarterback class with a lot of potential, and it's why everyone's kind of been pumping them up so much. Um, I think it's a good group as a whole. I, you know, I think the top five are good and better than a lot of classes, certainly better than last year than what we saw. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of risk and downside that we could look back in five years and say, oof, you know, really what happened with this. Um, I, I feel confident at this point Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama, is going to go number one. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of smoke around C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State, falling a bit and having these concerns, uh, little things. That it kind of feels to me like someone's pushing that out. I think he still goes relatively high. And then you're, you're at the, the guys with tools that aren't very good. It's Anthony Richardson from Florida and Will Levis from Kentucky. Both of them could be great. Um, I tend to think they're going to fall a little bit. I guess they'll go in the top you know, 15 picks, but I think it might be outside of the top 10. Uh, so I, I, that's pretty good. I mean, four quarterbacks in the top 15 would be a really good class. So I think it's good, but um, – you know, you know, I, I still am not. I'm not as big a fan as, of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis as the NFL is. Jason, go ahead, jump in. Oh, I was going to say. So, what is the problem with DJ Stroud? I know you're an Ohio State uh, supporter. So, like, how is he suddenly dropping? I actually thought he would be the guy who would kind of raise to the top here. He still might. Obviously, there's a little smoke about who's going number one, but. Uh, it seems like t- at least today he was the guy who was dropping out of the floor, which seems unusual to me. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's weird because I was I was with you. I, I did my seven-round mock draft on Monday. I was like, you know, I'm sticking to my guns. I put C.J. Stroud up one. And then later that day, like all the, the odds on the sports books are all minus 1,000 for Bryce Young. And I was like, well, I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 it's over when it gets that far gone. Um, it, it's over. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I wonder if there is maybe some just some concern of, of not winning that big game, losing twice to Michigan, losing to Georgia. And, and then we hear these like, you know, kind of off-field weird things of not doing well on the S2 cognitive test and, and skipping out on the, the Peyton Manning Academy. Uh, like, okay, like, let's, let's be real. If that's, if that's what you're using to pick your quarterback, then you're probably doing it wrong. I, I have him as the most talented QB in this class back-to-back with Bryce Young. They're my number two and number three players in this class. I think whoever gets C.J. Stroud is going to be very happy. If a team passes on him and passes on the accuracy, uh, it, it passes on you know the, the footwork and the ability to read a defense, you talk about, like, the S2 cognition test, I've seen the cognition test on the field and CJ Stroud passes it for me. That's more important to me. So I, I think he's still going to go top five. I mean, part of me, and look, it's conspiracy theory. Part of me thinks the Colts are the ones that are kind of pushing this out there to try to get him to fall to four and not have someone move up for him. So yeah, maybe, you know, maybe he'll fall further, whatever, and that they might get a hold of him and draft him the four. All right, Shane, you said weird. Let's get weird. Uh, not Will Levis weird, eat the banana with the peel on, mayonnaise and the coffee type weird. But please tell me if I'm right or wrong and, and kind of put like a percentage on it. I actually still feel and always feel when it comes to the draft, the quarterback is always supreme. I still think teams are going to come up. I think Detroit's coming up to actually steal Anthony Richardson at probably three. Uh, I, I mean, Really, can Jared Goff lead that franchise? They have the picks. They have the equity. They got the good thing rolling. I actually think it goes Bryce Young 1, C.J. Stroud 2, um, Richardson 3, and the Colts supposedly are enamored with Will Levis. So please tell me I'm not crazy that it's 1, 2, 3, 4, all QB. Look, I, I, it's not where I'm going, but I, I, you're not you're far from the, the first and far from the last that I think will we'll put that out there. You know, it, it's a possibility because we saw both Detroit and Seattle, and honestly, I think Philadelphia as well, get the extra draft capital in this class just in case, in case they did need to move up for a quarterback. Obviously, we know the Eagles don't need to after paying Jalen Hurts the contract and going to the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, Geno Smith and Jared Goff, like you said, they're not quarterbacks of the future. So I think those two teams could look for that, and they certainly have the capital to, to move up and do it. Um, 
I, I think for Detroit and Seattle, the, the problem has, was that Seattle made the playoffs and Detroit was a game away. And so they probably feel better than they should about their quarterback situation. Uh, but, you know, it might not be them. But yeah, I think you can still have a team like the Titans, you know, move up certainly to three. And we can still see the same thing happen. Um, and, you know, for some reason, the, the Texans seem to be enamored with Bryce Young. And if they don't get him, then they want Will Levis or they're out. And I don't know what that's going to take either. So I think it's going to go crazy. I think we still got some ways to go. And it wouldn't surprise me if number three gets moved before the draft, um, if we kind of know who that number two player is going to be. Speaking of, of Richardson, I know you've, you've mentioned his names a couple times. So coming from a Gator fan, can you please sell me on him as a first-round pick? Because I watched him for two years. Now, granted, um, he battled a little bit of injuries. He didn't have the best Florida teams uh, that we've, you know, sort of been accustomed to see in the mid-2000s. He's just extremely inconsistent. I understand that he's an athletic freak, and, and his numbers jump off the chart from measurements, from physicality, from athleticism. But when you look at a guy like him, right, the, the two comparison guys that I would give him would be like a Cam Newton and then like a, a stronger, faster uh, Michael Vick, per se. Uh, but those guys performed really well in college. Both of them you know, had extremely good careers, but Richardson – really didn't he had a games where he looked good but they were consistent and he's not so even as a Gator fan you know I always pull for those guys to be successful I just can't see it I don't see how he translates to the NFL even with that size and athleticism so please sell me like a used car salesman on Anthony Richardson why I should buy him and not a better you know better option Look, I, I wish that I was that person that could sell you. And, and like a lot, a lot of Florida fans have come after me. because myself and my, my uh, other managing partner, Brian Bassarge at Draft Countdown. We both don't have him in the first round on our, our, our boards. If we were drafting, uh, I, I, personally, I would want him in, in the right situation, like Minnesota, where he could sit for a year, maybe two behind Kirk Cousins. Then I'd be willing late in the first round. So I think the reason why he's a first-round pick for most of these teams is, you know, like you said, the athleticism's off the charts. He's the most athletic quarterback we have ever seen when you account for for a weight, right? A a perfect 100%, um, take pro days, combine, anything. Um, You know, my cop for him was Dante Culpepper uh, from UCF back in the day, right? A a player who also I think was raw – um, but came in with those tools and had a coach that could develop those tools. And that's what Richardson needs. Even in his bad games, when you watch like the Georgia game, you can see, you know, everything looks good. I, I feel like Richardson, and maybe this will offend some people, I think Richardson looks good to people that don't know much about football. Like I think Richardson looks good because he throws the ball really hard and he's, he, he doesn't get tackled easily. And, you know, in that Georgia game, you can watch every play and be like, wow, man, he's, running for his life. He's breaking tackles against these NFL defenders. But he has, he has one way that he throws the football, and it's as fast as possible. And, like, his receivers weren't great. I, I think Ricky Purcell's probably a draft pick next year. Justin Shorter's going to make a team. But they're, they're jumping, twisting. They're trying, reaching out to get the ball, and they touch it, and they drop it. And then I've seen people be like, look at all these drops these receivers have. Well, yeah, the ball's coming 50 miles an hour, three yards down the past line of scrimmage. You know, you can't catch that. You can't do it. So, I, look, there's a lot of work that needs done. I do think he does some things well, climbs the pocket well for someone of his inexperience. Uh, I think the footwork obviously is really cleaned up, but he's got, he's got to learn how to touch pass and hit some of those outside throws better. Uh, so it, it's there. You know, look, I hated Josh Allen like a lot of NFL draft people. I could be wrong here too, uh, and I fully accept the uh, the hate that comes my way if I <laughs> Shane, with Jalen Carter out of Georgia here, you know, it was supposed to be really a high pick, and then there were some off-the-field situations. And then, um, you know, his pro day came in a little heavy, didn't really perform. Uh, where do you where do you think, is he going to, you know, there's some rumors that he's really going to drop. Do you think he's really going to slide in the first round? Where do you have him? I kind of toyed with the idea for a little while. Um, I had a mock draft for them falling to 14 and I, I just don't think the talent is going to let him drop that far. Like you said, I mean, there, there are definitely some issues when you look at the pro day, you, you know, and obviously the, the off the field questions, he definitely wasn't in the right mindset to go through that pro day. I think that's his agent's fault. Should have pulled that like, Hey, you know, pulled a hamstring, can't do it. 
Um, so I, I don't know if it hurts him all that much. I think it takes him out of being the top defensive player drafted. I think Will Anderson will be. When you get to five to Seattle and, and you start to look at some of these teams that aren't might not go quarterback, um, I think they're going to pull the trigger on Jalen Carter still. Uh, so as long as he didn't completely mess up the interview process and the visit process, I think he'll still go top ten. All right, Shane, two-parter for me. Who's got the Who's got the better arm? Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, or Uncle Rico? Well, I mean, look, Uncle Rico is tough to compete with. I don't know if we want to <laughs> him. Uh, he might He might have. He might be beat the athleticism of Richardson. Um, I, I think Richardson can can toss it better. I think deep down the field, I'll, I'll take his arm uh, in terms of pure ceiling over Levis. Okay, serious question. I have a I have an argument text string going with a bunch of my friends. Tell me why Joey Porter Jr. is not going to the Steelers. Because <laughs> someone takes them before they do. I think that's the only way that it happens. Um, so, so basically, <laughs> if he's there at, at the Steelers pick, you think he will be a Steeler? Yeah, I, I think the players they would take over him will be long gone. The Paris Johnsons, the Broderick Jones. I think they'll be long gone. Uh, I think they take Porter over any other corner in the draft that's not Christian Gonzalez. And, and who won't be there? And I um, completely agree. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think who who else. The kid might from consider. Illinois. Uh, yeah. The the kid from Illinois. The Witherspoon. Yeah, I, I still think I still think the Steelers would take Porter over him because I think with looking at their visits and the Steelers don't hide anything. I think we all know that they they bring <laughs> in the guys they want to draft and they draft them. Uh, they they want a physical outside corner. So I think I think it's Joey Porter if he's there. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, though, all the Steelers might move up, Peter King saying for Jalen Carter. I think if they move up, it might be two, three picks ahead of Washington to get Porter. Because I think Washington's the one spot in front of him where he could go. I was going to say, is this the most smoke we've seen around a Steeler pick in quite a while? Usually that's like the first one you pencil in uh, because they've already basically told you who they're going to take. There's actually a little, I don't know, mystique this year. Yeah, look, look, I, I think I think there's a little mystique. And I think a lot of it's because – Similar to last year, where I don't think they expect Porter to maybe be there, and like they didn't expect Pickett to be there. Um, when when you know the the one of the scouting staff literally went in the media room during the draft when the Saints moved up, like, well, they're taking Kenny Pickett, and they didn't. <laughs> and uh, the were like, oh wow, we didn't think he'd be there. Um, yeah, I, I think that might be the case, and you know maybe Porter goes ahead of him, but I think that's why I don't think they know who's necessarily going to be there at that point. The Washington Commanders, I've seen a couple have uh, have the kid out of uh, Illinois Witherspoon. I've, I've kind of always said like they need to kind of replenish the offensive line. They've let a lot of guys go. Uh, they have some, you know, sheriffs gone. Um, Morgan Moses, even though he was injured half the year, he's gone. Trey Flowers is gone. Like you look at these guys that were actually good, uh, stable guys for the most part. They don't have that right now. Obviously, they need help on the uh, on the defensive backside. Cam Curl necessarily can't stay healthy. Um, the guy out of Cincinnati, I'm drawing a blank. He didn't really pan out as a free agent. It is it easy? Should they go O line or quarterback? And I guess my question would be: You have to kind of figure out what's what's going to be easier to address in free agency. Uh, so, kind of where's where are you leaning for that pick? Being that they, I think they're one A and one B in needs in terms of O line or defensive back. I, I think it's tough um, because I think, like you said, I think both are pretty even. Um, I'm I'm definitely between taking Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. I do think that right tackle spot is a huge need. He, he's he's a SEC, you know, right stud right tackle, like plug and play. Here we go. I, I think Washington and their philosophy that makes sense to me if he's there at 16. But they have looked hard at corner. You know, maybe even a guy like Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama, who's versatile, who played the star position at Bama, uh, nickel, corner, you know, deep safety at the line, and kind of everything in between. I think maybe those this type of versatile defensive players they seem to like as well. I could see that. Like I said, I think if Witherspoon's there, I think it's tough to pass. I think they take him. But if he's not, then it's you take right, you take Porter, you take Branch. Um, I, I tend to lean darn out right. I think offensive line usually trumps that corner position. So, you know, I'm a big fan of the running back in the first round. I'm just joking. I, I want to see how many people laugh there. Uh, 
So the kid out of Texas sounds like he's, you know, very good player. Um, there's been some people saying, could there be two in the first round? And I I just kind of laugh about it. But I want to hear from our draft expert here, Shane. What do you think with the running backs in this draft? If there's one player that, you know, if you could give me the crystal ball and say, tell me, you know, I'll show you where one player in this draft goes, it probably is Bijan, you know, because – I think running back's so hard usually to place. Just who's who's kind of willing to take a guy that is a top ten talent, but he plays running back. Um, I, I I tend to think he goes maybe middle of the first round. Maybe a team like Philadelphia or Chicago trade down and then take him something like that. Um, the, the second running back of the first round tough for me to swallow. I, I'll, I'll never say never in the NFL draft, and I think Jameer Gibbs from Alabama has that type of talent. Top recruit. Uh, extremely fast, shifty, explosive pass catcher. He's lined up at receiver for Alabama. So I think you need that versatile type of player to really take a running back in the first round. But, like, you know, you need them to do more, like, like Najee Harris and Tra- Travis Etienne were. Um, maybe, like, maybe the Eagles are 31, uh, and, and that's it. Like, that's the only team I think, and, and I don't think Howie Roseman would necessarily do that. So I tend to lean, no, I'm only going to have one of my final mock drafts. If it was me, I would wait till round two. It's a really deep, good running back class. You can wait a little bit. Speaking of running backs, real quick, just to jump in, since you you mentioned Gibbs, Mel Kuyper uh, has kind of blown some smoke that Miami might try to go up and get Gibbs because he may not be there at 51. Do you think that's a smart play for them? Obviously, they forfeited the pick uh, with the uh, the Tom Brady issue and the Sean Payton, but they're – Pretty hungry in terms of moving up. We've seen either they get a top down or they'll move up in the draft. Do they move up or do they stay one at 51? And then who do they get? Do they get Gibbs potentially or somebody else? I think it's possible Gibbs is there at 51. But like you said, probably not. You know, someone probably takes him. You only have four picks in this draft. I don't know if I want to move up anymore. Just you got to give future capital. It's yeah. tough. And if I was them moving up, It'd be for a tight end. I think that's more what they need. You know, move up for a Darnell Washington or a Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Uh, I think that would be a be- you know better suited thing. I think that's where the 51 question will be. If they're sitting there at 51, you take a tight end, you take a running back. Um, you know, it's tough because I think a lot of what's going to happen in Miami depends on after the draft. Dalvin Cook has been tied to them, and if, if they feel confident that They've, they've talked to his agent. They can get that done. Then maybe they bypass the position. Um, but if they feel like they don't know, you know, you don't be stuck with Raheem Mostert again for a year in that system is so good. So I can see it happening. I can see them taking a Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA or uh, Devin Achain out of Texas A&M. I think both fit the, that, that, that offense that they have, the, the Shanahan offense and blocking scheme. Uh, but ultimately, I think tight ends, the tight end's got to be on their second or third round as well. Amen. <laughs> and you brought up you brought a player that I really like the the uh, offensive tackle right from Tennessee. I would love for him to go to Washington since Q and I are both Washington fans. However, I'm hearing rumors that he's the big mover right now as he's drawing comps to Trent Williams, which is a huge comp. But I guess he's the hot name to potentially go up. So if he's the hot name to potentially go up, who's the name that you actually think is going to fall in this draft? Oh, yeah. I, I always feel like the hot name that's, that's going up usually does, like is until the draft happens. And we're like, oh, wow, you know, that, that guy's still available, right? Uh, but no, no, I mean, Darnell Wright could be it. Once once Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones go off the board, it's that's the best offensive tackle left. You know, or or you want Peter Skronsky if you feel like he can play tackle. Um, in terms of Fowler, I think Brian Breesey, the defensive lineman out of Clemson, is a player I don't think goes in the first round anymore. Uh, super explosive, five-star recruit. He kind of has the credentials but never had the production to back it up. And I think teams are questioning injuries this year. Where was the production? Um, I, uh, myself, before the season started, I am as a top five pick in this class. Now I think he's in, in the, the you know back into round two, so I think he's a faller. Um, you know, not to not to uh, blow things onto the the, the pit crowd, but Elijah Cansey, the defensive lineman out of Pitt, uh, obviously had a great combine, has gotten a lot of publicity. Did not have one pre-draft visit. Not one team brought him in for pre-draft visit, which is pretty rare to happen. So um, I always wonder about that, and that might not mean anything. Maybe teams want to keep it close to the best, but he's one that I think might fall out of the first round as well. 
So looking over your mock, which really good actually, I like, I like pretty much all these picks. It, it looks like it's the most balanced first round. Where if you need something, it's pretty much there. I guess really the only thing that's really missing is wide receiver depth is a little short, and you don't have that big monster in the middle. At least it seems like that's going to go second or third round. Is it? I mean, you think that'll hold up trades because guys, there's posi- guys available in almost every position if you need something. I I don't know if we see those kind of mid to late first trades. I'm with you because I think what you get past 15 or so, then it's you kind of take your guy and, and that's going to be it. I think we're gonna teams are going to struggle to move down. Where from what I'm hearing, a lot of the boards like 15 to 50 is kind of the the you know second round grades. So it, when if you have 14 guys in the class that are rated first round picks, they're gone. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. So I, you know, I wonder if we get a little bit of action. Maybe it's pre-draft. Maybe it's on draft day in kind of the top 10, 15 area. And then when we hit the draft, once we get past that, things kind of slow down. I can see it. So that kind of goes right into my last question here. In your opinion, Shane, or what you're hearing, what team could really make a splash and really move up and be aggressive in the, maybe in the first round? It's always tough, I think, to um, kind of situate it out. You know, I, I wonder if a team that needs a receiver, uh, maybe maybe a Baltimore Ravens is actually a team that usually moves back in the draft, could be a team to move up. I think Jackson Smith and Jigbo, the receiver from Ohio State, is interesting as a move-up candidate. So I think he is a step above the rest of the receivers in this class, but he's not that elite, you know, Jamar Chase, even last year's, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, I think, Teams are a little scared off with the, uh, just about a year off for JSN. Um, so it might take a team that's picking late in the first that has a little bit more draft capital like the Ravens do um, to, to maybe move up and make a splash for him. So I've, you know, I've heard that as a possibility. Um, and, you know, I, Dallas is always one. I feel like every year it's like, well, Dallas could be that team because Jerry Jones gets a little crazy. Um, but, you know, they, they have a need for a physical corner. They have a need. They still want the receiver position filled. I think there's a lot of guys they could like. Maybe Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, is uh, the apple of their eye. He's probably not going to be there at 26. Shane, my last question, we'll just stick to receivers. So you brought up Smith and Jigma, like you said. Uh, it's funny, Wilson and Olave think that he's better than them um, at the same comparison level. Uh, so that would be interesting to see. But another receiver, I just kind of want to get your take on does maybe a team kind of go after him or maybe he could be um, a steal of the draft because you don't hear him as much uh, is Quentin Johnson. I mean, what he did uh, late last season and then into the college football playoff, he kind of got everybody's radar going, uh, but then he kind of fell back down quiet. You, you're just hearing everything Smith and Jibby. You're not hearing Quentin Johnson, which in my opinion is one of the best receivers in there that he's got the height. He's got the, the, the jumping ability, the hands. Where do you think he ends up? I think he's going to be a first round pick, um, you know, take it for what it's worth, but he was not invited to the NFL draft. Uh, the rumor being that they were a little scared that he could sit around till, you know, very late in the first round. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think GMs are exactly telling the NFL what they're going to do either. So I, I don't think that's always something to take uh, with it. I, I think Quentin Johnston offers that upside. I think a lot of teams are scared of the downside because he does play smaller i mean you know a lot of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage screen passes and that's how the tcu offense ran it's not necessarily his fault but that's what we got to see most of and a lot of those contested catches he had drops and couldn't get the positioning so a lot to work on for him but i i think that height weight speed it puts you in the first round especially when there's so few of those players so i think when, when you look maybe late in the first round um i kind of see from like 25 ish onward the giants uh, the Bills, uh, the Saints, and the Chiefs would make a lot of sense. Uh, I think somewhere in there he's going to go. I, I think 31 is probably his floor. Uh, great. Hey, perfect segue for me. I actually, we do a little mock contest between friends here. I have Johnson to the Chiefs, which would drive AFC people absolutely nuts that Mahomes would get that guy at 31. My last question, though. Uh, a big question mark in this is like the work, uh, yeah, the workout warriors at the combine. Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Is he really a first round talent or is he more of a Mike Mamula, look at me, uh, underwear Olympics type guy? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Mamula. Yeah, we get, we get the Mike Mamula reference. That's, <laughs> I guess, always great. It's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, 
I, look, I'm, I think he's overrated. I think he's gonna, Lucas Van Ness is going to be overdrafted in this draft. And there, there are some plays you could turn on. If you turn on that, that high State game against Iowa, you see him turn Paris Johnson around and you say, wow, you know, this guy's great. And then the next four times he gets stonewalled and twice he's on the ground. And it's like, wait, wait, wait which one is the real Lucas Van Ness? Uh, you know, I think it's weird that Iowa didn't start him. They basically brought him in as a rotational pass rusher. And I don't think he plays the run all that well. And he kind of sells out, you know, a lot of times and over pursues. I think there's a lot to his game that needs work. I do think he, you know, has that potential. I mean, I, I found similar things with, with J.J. Watt when he came out that if you kind of can harness what Lucas Van Ness does well and let him do it. I think he can be good. Uh, so put him on the Packers, the Patriots. I think I think there's schemes that can work for him, but uh, I I wouldn't take him till super late in the first round myself. That's it for me, boys. And you guys got anything? Jason, else? you got anything no, else? I, I do not. Okay, no. man. Well, Shane, before you go, man, make sure you give yeah, a plug get a plug in, man. Absolutely, you can uh, go to DraftCountdown.com. You can see my seven round mock draft there. I'll have a new one the day before the draft as well. And we'll, uh, we'll be doing a live stream all three days of the draft on draft countdown. So I will literally give you analysis of every single pick. unlike the TV and uh, talk about every player. So we'll be there. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Shane. We really appreciate you. We know you are extremely busy this time of year, but thank you for taking time out. It's tradition. We have to have you on. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, no. Thank you guys. It's always a pleasure every year. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Shane. Have a good night. We'll see you, Shane. Thanks for coming on. Mike Malola, man. I like it. I like how. <laughs> Got to pull it out, man. It's, it's mandatory. That's for Garb Mike right Mamola there. Mike Malola just touches the heart of notebook wagering for more yeah. than that reason. <laughs> that's for Gar- that's a little throw out for Garvey right there. A little <laughs> Mamola story there. So, I no, love it. Great information there. That guy, yeah. I mean, if you're not checking him out, I'll tell you a quick story. So years ago, because we've did some fantasy leagues with him years and years ago. And the one year in a draft, he was like doing the live, like he was breaking down every pick. And I muted the TV and was just listening to him because his stuff is so, he's just so good at what he does. So it's, uh, I think that's about three straight years we've had him on and it's great getting him on every year for us. So, all right, guys, go ahead. I was just going to wrap it up. Mike Mamoli brought up Garvey. It's Smitty and I were laughing. Literally last show, we're talking college baseball. We talk about Pitt. And I and I was like, Pitt is weird. You know, they can beat the best team or they can lose to a high school team. And then lo and behold, they go and they take two or three in Charlottesville. And Smitty texted me and he was like, dude, you literally just said that last show. And yeah. and I texted him back. I was like, yeah, they'll probably lose to a high school team next weekend. Yeah. You just can't tell with this Pitt team. But it was just something we were laughing about. And then when you brought up Garvey, it, it just brought to my mind that we literally talked about that last show. That yeah, was home run leader there for a long time. I don't know what the record is now there, but uh, <laughs> I took him the night. I took him against West Virginia. They, they scored, they were up four, nothing, but now they're losing seven, four. So I did a little pizza money on the, the plus dog with Pittsburgh tonight. So why not see what happens there? But uh, anything else guys good for the group? No, I got nothing. All right, man. Carolina, 2-1. 2-1, Carolina. Well, best of luck, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Q, take us out, man. You do it better than me. So what's our saying? As always, that we say, bang your bookies.